0: And welcome to the Geo Goals Show HQ Edition on this Friday afternoon. I am your host, Will Gottlieb. You can find me on Twitter at Will underscore Gottlieb. And I'm joined by my good friend who has woken up altogether too early on a Saturday morning down in Australia, Mark K at MK, who's on Twitter. Mark, what are you doing up so early?
1: Well, man, William, you know me. 9? Yeah, yeah, 6.02 a.m. But you know me, still the same OG. Keeping yeah, been been keeping it low key. But other than that, um, being okay, being okay. How's how's things with you, mate? You well, getting ready for the upcoming ball season.
0: Well, I am exactly that. I am excited because today is the final off-season show. You can debate like when the actual season starts, but Monday is media day. This is our last show before media day, before training camp starts, and obviously before basketball picks back up. We have a Bulls game against the Damian Lillard Milwaukee Bucks a week from Sunday. So it's coming up. It's coming up fast. And I think we are at a point in time when we can stop talking about what should the Bulls do? What shouldn't they do? Who should they trade? Who shouldn't they trade? What direction should they go? What direction should they not go? And we can actually start talking about basketball. And as I said, it all starts on Monday with Media Day. We'll hear from our tourists. Mark Eversley, we'll hear from Billy Donovan and some of the players. I'm looking forward to that because it marks the point where we can actually talk about basketball. And being that it is our last show prior to that media day, I figured it was a good time to to preview media day and and sort of talk about some of the things that we are looking forward to, some of the storylines that we want uh, to discuss and some of the questions that we want to have answered when we hear from all those people. Um, But before we get into that, Mark, I wanted to open the floor to you to discuss uh, any takes you had just quickly about Damian Lillard, about Drew Holiday, about the Bulls making a big swing for one of these guys, about passing up uh, on the opportunity to make a big swing for one of those guys. Did you have any uh, residual takes that you wanted to fire off here in your first chance to really talk about this on the podcast?
1: Um, uh, nothing sweeping. Uh, I think everything you guys have mostly said on the last couple of days, I, I kind of, Fundamentally agree with, in the sense that Dame ending up in Milwaukee versus Toronto or a uh, the Heat, obviously like that's a better outcome from the Bulls. I think Dave's point on this is completely right. Um, that's you know you you weren't competing with the Bucs anyway, so him landing in Milwaukee doesn't really affect you from that standpoint. You're still in that race or the same race that you're kind of in already and you don't have to really contend for another player. Now, what gets interesting now is does Drew Holiday end up on one of those teams that you are competing against like the Heat, like the Raptors, like the Sixers even, one of those types of teams? Or does he go to a team like Boston whereby, you know, again, you're not really in that arms race. Uh, Can you add Drew Holiday? Yeah, I think he probably could is it worth the cost? I mean, debatable. You can go back and forth on that. I'm of the opinion that I'd rather do something a little bit more fundamental, a little bit more seismic, but at the same time, you could also talk me into Drew Holiday or going after Drew Holiday, because I think he would fundamentally change this team and make it better. Um, Maybe not to the degree that I would like it it to be, but he would absolutely fit and make this thing better. But uh yeah, it's been a fascinating few days. Um, I'm glad it dropped. Well, actually, no, I'm not glad it dropped when it did because when was it? I think it was Thursday morning, technically my time. You mentioned that it's 6, 06 a.m. my time at the moment that I woke up very early to do this podcast. But William, I couldn't sleep on Wednesday night slash Thursday morning, I guess. I was up from 1.30 to 4.30 a.m. for whatever reason. And you know, just strolling because I couldn't sleep. I was just scrolling Twitter, blah, blah, blah. Uh, up for three hours, couldn't sleep. And I'm like, okay, fine. It's 4.30. I'm finally going to bed. But As I go to put my fa- my phone back down and put it on the charger and just try to get like two hours sleep before I have to wake up, the word bomb drops. And I was like, oh, fuck. Not going to sleep now. Not going to sleep now. So uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a long week for me, but um, that's okay. Bulls basketball is back. So that, that'll keep me going.
0: Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to add on the, the Damon drew stuff, um, and you kind of pointed it out is like, okay, I think we can all agree that like, probably for the long-term best chance to like put together a franchise that, you know, can actually compete for a title. Ultimately, that's probably not going to be with this group. And in order to get to the next group, you have to start tearing things down, building up your asset base and moving forward from there. But given that that is off the table. And I think that is off the table. I think you like, there's a Churchill quote that's like, don't let um, perfection get in the way of progress or something like that. And it's like, all these deals are everybody's like, so anti trading for Dame, because it's not going to make them a contender or trading for Jew holiday, because they're not going to become a contender. and It's not worth the cost. And I get that. And you have to be judicious with giving up what remaining assets you have in order to add guys. But what I like about this this offseason for the Bulls was that they got guys that will help them uh, improve in, incrementally, and that can maybe help you get to the next thing. You hit a single, and then you hit another single. You've got some momentum going. You've got two guys on base, and then you can maybe make a big swing. Or maybe you hit a double, and you score two runs, and somebody else comes to the play and just keeps this thing moving. So I think, I think there was some frustration last offseason that they didn't bring in some guys like Javon Carter and Torrey Craig. They didn't, we move on. They do it this summer. Hopefully these guys help and help the Bulls get to the next thing. But I just, the idea that like, unless it's a perfect move that will make them championship contenders, then just don't do it. There isn't going to be that move. And if you don't start to make some swings, whether it's just, you know, even taking walks, like you're just going to end up being the same team. And I think that's really, that's where I think things get really sort of bogged down and frustrating. But anyway, I think we're at a good point in this offseason, having made a few key moves to where the Bulls, I think, actually really do benefit. Um, We can start to talk about some of the questions that we have for AK, for Billy, and for the players. Um, But first, Mark, I wanted to just kind of, like, hammer out some of the the key storylines here and maybe what you think of them. So I think the big one um, for me, and this is, like, less on the court stuff, but, like, what are we going to do here with the extensions for Damar and Pat? What do you, where are you standing with those right now?
1: I think these are all the, the fundamental questions. The The other one that I would add to this list, um, which we're definitely going to dive in a little bit more detail in is the whole, and connected to what we opened this, the show with about Dame, about Drew, about everything. The fact that the Bulls seemingly have continuously been in trade talks with Zach Levine and how, that, the, those conversations how that impacts someone like zach how that impacts the franchise and AK's stance on continuity and building around this group well how can you have continuity and believing in this group and wanting to do it again for a third year if you're consistently you know including someone like zach in trade rumors so i think that's a fundamental question i think that needs to be answered as well uh in addition to you know the you know, Mark Eversley's comments from the other day when they did their 670 uh, appearance, whereby he essentially said that this was a team, but it wasn't really a team. But w- what what does that mean? Is that connected to the Zach stuff? Is it connected to why Zach is consistently in trade rumors, those sorts of things? So I think those that question, into and I guess that's the questions that we would have for AK, in addition to the Pat and DeMar extensions, like they're the ones that I am very keen to get an answer on.
0: Yeah. I think this is, you know, Booch kind of said it and it's a question that I'm curious to hear him uh, expand on, but he kind of said in that piece with Jake Fisher a few months ago or weeks ago um, that we kind of know this is our last chance with this group. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the big question that I have is like how do you define success or even progress to the point where you feel like you can continue on with this group? Because if, like, Booch is – I mean, is Booch saying, like, no matter what, this is our last chance, so whatever happens, mm-hmm. it's going to end? Or is he saying, you know, there's a certain number of wins or there's a certain offensive rating that we can hit where at that point we can be deemed a success and we can justify continuing on this path together? Um, yeah, I think, I think this season is just going to be really interesting. I think a lot of people might feel like we already know – these answers. And I think to some degree, that's true, but now, and I'm curious where you stand on this, like having brought in some more shooting, some more defense, um, the idea of like, well, this team wasn't really optimized around DeMar. There wasn't enough shooting. So we don't really know what we have. So we, we need to just keep rolling it back until we find out what we do have. Like now I think they, they do have that. They have depth. They have shooting. They have defense. They haven't sacrificed anything on that end. Um, I I feel like this is kind of, I don't want to say like a put up or shut up moment because I don't know that that actually exists, but it does feel like to a certain extent, this team has all the right pieces now and Lonzo's not back. But other than that, like they are in a position, at least since Lonzo went down, they're in the best position to succeed with the group that they have. And so I'm curious to hear what they have to say about that as well.
1: Yeah, I think that I think that's all fair. I, I think what's going to be interesting is how how well or maybe not so well they play the media game in terms of what sort of level of spin they put on things, whether they actually Billy's is Billy's incredible at this in the sense that he gives you great long thoughtful answers but when you really dive into it is he really is he really giving you much material to actually digest or is he really saying many things of substance occasionally obviously he does um but he's a very very good talker he's almost like a politician in the sense that he will say a lot of stuff it sounds incredible but did you really glean anything from it probably not a ton um AK is maybe the opposite of that where he says very little and gives away very little and you come away from that thinking what did I just hear? Not a bunch of, not a bunch of uh, anything. And Eversley's kind of in the middle of that. So I'm, I'm kind of interested. I think, I think you, I think the other reporters that will be there on media day or whenever it will be, even throughout the season, I think, I, I trust you will all be asking the correct questions. I'm just keen and fascinated to see how, how willing the, you know, the, the, the key figureheads of this organization are ready to be in sort of actually answering these questions, the things that we want to hear, the things that we don't want to hear. The things that I don't want to hear, I guess, and you know, not to step on our toes, but the things I don't want to hear is not hearing anything. I want to hear substantive answers. So, will they give us anything? Like that's probably another question that I have, William. Maybe it's not a question that you would ask, AK. Hey, are you going to give me something today? But the question is, are we going to learn something today? Like that's what I'm really fundamentally hoping for for Monday. But um, you know, time will tell if they actually give us anything.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's a really good point. I think for the media our job is to kind of like relay the questions that fans want answered to the fans because really Mm -hmm. i think i kind of went on like a twitter storm about this earlier today and it's just something i've been processing since like dame did his whole goodbye message and like one of the pages was to the media and thanking the media who cover the team Mm -hmm. and the, the sentiment was like um you know, I know we've had our differences, but I'm a man and I want to be able to just like put everything behind us and, you know, effectively, like, even though you guys annoyed me and we didn't know we see it eye to eye, like, I hope, it, I hope it's all good and let's move forward. And it just had me thinking about like the media's relationship with the fan, with the players in the front offices and like how that dynamic is just so strange sometime. Um, so all that to say, like, if if there's questions that you guys want answered, like, I want to hear them. I want to know what the fans actually want to know because that can help sort of direct. And it's not like a lot of times I get, you know, DMs or mentions on Twitter that are like, hold the AK responsible for his decision making. Like, that's that's not my job. That's not the way that, like, my job works. But the way that my job does work is giving you guys the, the questions, the answers that you have questions to. So... If there's anything that you're curious about? Put it in the comments, and, and we can read it off. There's been a couple of good ones so far. Um, Julius Blackwell saying you're literally coming on here and just blatantly lying. I don't know who that's in response to, but okay. Yeah. Um, sure. S- Sergeant Holka, aka Fish. Uh, I guess he changed his his uh, handle there. Uh, asking about the beginning of the schedule and how difficult it is. Um, I think that's a really good point, just in terms yeah. of like. You know, if we're if we're quantifying this season this season's success based on wins and losses like that first 20 games is going to be really important um, and so obviously I don't think they're gonna say we need to win 13 out of our first 20 games but I think you know we're gonna want to see something substantive at least a building block that we can continue to build off of from there
1: yeah no that's that's a really good one because they have consistently gone to the well on the 14 and 9 23 game sample from the end of last season so the way you would frame that type of question would be okay you you lent heavily and you asked this question at the end of pre- uh the end of season presser last last year like what do you weigh more the the, the final 23 games or the, the you know the first 59 games using their answers previously against them in some respects they obviously leaned heavily into a 23 game sample last year maybe After 25 games this year, if the record's 10 and 15 or even worse than that, what does that mean? How do you evaluate that as the decision makers of the franchise? Because we know that they have clearly invested or put a lot of stock in a small 23-game sample and that has driven their ideology going into this season. Now, what does a 25-game sample at the start of this season mean for them? Do they hold hold line do they keep their resolve or are they willing to pivot and do something a little bit differently so um yeah it'll be an interesting test of their uh methodology there
0: yeah um brian in the comments asking can we please ask about drummond getting more minutes um i don't know why we don't play him especially if we want to play faster we need rebounds to run and he can run the floor better than booch um football candy asking will I, i hope a question about sabonis and Vucevic? And the Kings offense comes up. Hate to bring it up again, but it could be important. AK literally played with Sabonis' dad. Um, Definitely, and we're going to hit on both of those things when we talk about some of the things we want to hear from the players. But Butch's role in the offense as it relates to him re-signing with the team is one of my biggest questions that I'm curious to hear about from the players um, and Butch specifically, but also from Billy. And like, do you was this part of the conversation that came up when you guys were in contract extension talks. So um, maybe that's a good segue to get into some of that stuff. But Mark, can you first tell the listeners about our friends at Sunnyside?
1: Okay, I can, William. And uh, this is my suggestion for all reporters heading down to media day. I know you're all crafting your fantastic questions already. You're all working on what th- what things you will or won't say. You're theorizing those questions right now. But I suggest everyone heads down to, to Sunnyside get some of their hands on some some of that judgment-free cannabis. And in doing so, that will expand your mind. You'll be able to explore all these cavities within your brain that you didn't really know existed previously. And that just may lead you to a point where you you stumble onto the perfect, perfect question to ask Arturis Karnashovis kind of on media day. So I want to, what I'm effectively suggesting, William, is that, you know, pop a gummy or two and head down pretty loose and feeling free on media day. I think that would be something that you should de- definitely be uh, thinking about. But if you're not a reporter and not uh, consuming any of these products on media day, then maybe you're a fan and you'll need something to take the edge off when you're listening to AK and obviously talk through it all. Well, like, like I said, friends, uh, through October 15, if you head to sunnyside.shop and use promo code CHG- chgo 25 you will receive ch- uh, 25% off your total order at checkout, whether that's... um whether you're the, you're the first time you've used Sunnyside, whether you're a returning customer, it doesn't matter. All that matters is this: you can't stack this with other orders. You must be 21 or older or an Illinois MedCard holder. They're the only caveats that you got to apply. But if you use that promo code chgo 25 you'll get 25% all of their incredible products that they have. So if you want to take the edge off, if you want to feel good, if you want to feel free, then our friends at Sunnyside can hook you up with all of that.
0: So maybe you just hit up Sunnyside and you're on your way home and you want to pop a gummy and you get home and you're feeling like watching some sports because that's what we love here. We love sports. We love watching sports. We love talking about sports. And you can do that with Hubo TV because they have 140 plus live channels of sports, shows, movies, and news. And you can stream live TV from any device and you can watch the most Chicago sports for the lowest price. You can start watching immediately with the free trial. There's no contract no cable, no hassles. You just sign up and you start watching. And guess what? They've got a thousand hours of cloud DVR included with no extra charge. So if you wanna watch these media day press conferences over and over and over again, you can, because you can record them with a thousand hours of cloud DVR. You can also watch all of your local teams while traveling. So I'm gonna be in Nashville next week covering training camp. Maybe there's a Cubs playoff game that I wanna watch. I'm going to hit up Fubo TV and watch that from my phone or computer. They've got college football, Big Ten. They've got the Bears, NFL, NFL Network, Red Zone, UEFA, Euro Qualifiers, and Ryder Cup. So to watch all your favorite sports action, college football, and NFL, go check out Fubo. It's www.fubo.com slash chgo to sign up for 15% off your first month with Fubo Pro. FuboTV.com slash all right, Mark. Let's uh, let's get into some of these details here. And I think, you know, the big one is is going to be AK. I know he and Mark Eversley have been on somewhat of a press tour here this summer. They or Mark at least spoke to us at Bulls Fest. Um, he spoke to a couple of other outlets, including NBC Sports and The Athletic. Um, obviously, you mentioned it. Uh, Mark and AK went on Six Seven Score last earlier this week um, and talked about some stuff. So first of all, and, and we, we had on this around the time we did the, uh, the Bulls Fest breakdown you know, decompression show. And I just want, I want to reiterate, like the Bulls front office has not been super available to media, but I think they're doing a lot better recently. And I think that's super yeah. important to try to explain their perspective on things, why they're doing things, their approach. And you may not always like what they have to say, but the more we hear from them, the more we can understand um, and, and I think it's a really good step forward that they're taking to try to at least explain some of their decision making and the process behind it to the media and to fans. So um, with that being said, we don't get to hear from them super often. And this is one of the, the key 10 poll moments where we do get to hear from them. So is there anything that you are like, what's your first question you want answered when AK takes the podium?
1: The first question I want answered, William, is why there is this belief in this three-man trio of Vooch, DeMar, Zach. And in addition to that, as I alluded to before, if there is this belief to keep this group together, then why do we routinely hear about Zach Levine in trade rumors? They won't answer that question, that part of the question directly directly. because why would they? And they will pass that off. But like that is a question I think that needs to be put to them. Like, why do you believe in this three man trio? And to that point, if you do fundamentally do uh, I, I believe in them in so much, then why have we uh, consistently heard about rumors, speculation, all that sort of stuff? So uh you know, everybody want to talk like they got something to say, but nothing comes out when they move the, their lips. It's just a bunch of gibberish sometimes, William. But um, I want to hear some real answers on that. Um, But that's the first fundamental question that I need to hear from. it, or The the first fundamental question I think people should ask whether AK chooses to answer that. It comes back to what I said before around um, how well they do or don't play the media game in terms of do they give us the answers that that we want to hear. But we'll see. But I think that needs to be the first question because we just saw the box blow up a three-man unit that won a championship only two years ago. If that team is prepared to move on off of a core piece like Drew Holiday to put in uh, to, to you know to uh, put in place Damian Lillard, then why are we a team that is barely over 500 keeping this three man unit together like that, what is the justification what is the belief i think that's what needed what needs to be answered
0: so 100% agree um the way that i want to frame this little exercise is like what what are the things that we want to hear from this party in this case ak what do, what do we want to hear from ak and what are the answers that we don't wanna hear? We'll, what will we be like, you know, turned off by or, or frustrated with? What responses do we not wanna hear? So I think that's that's like the biggest one. Cause at the end of the day, like you can tinker around the fringes and you can sign your, you know, mid level exception for agent here. You could hit on a draft pick in the 20s there. But if your star players aren't playing well together, then I think you, you have some larger questions to ask. So everybody wants to point out the uh, negative net rating between Zach. DeRozan and Vooch, while they share the court together. And I think that's totally justifiable. Um, they're actually plus 0.7 on cleaning the glass, which filters out garbage time. So a little bit better than I think what they've been cr- given credit for, but still not great. And mm-hmm. to me, when I look at that, the first thing that I think of is, yeah, that's not great. You, you, Your best three players cannot be like average at best together on the court. But at the same time, three guys are not on the court playing against five guys. You you always have five guys out there. Um, And so when you look at some of the other lineup splits, the most played lineup by far was the big three plus IO and Patrick Williams. And that lineup was plus 1.3 in the 44th percentile of the NBA. Not good, not great. That shouldn't be your best lineup. And luckily for the bulls, it wasn't because after they signed Patrick Beverly and moved Alex Crusoe into the starting lineup, the lineup with Caruso, Beverly, Levine, Duros and Busevich was plus 13.7. And so to me, what I think they're going to say, and I I don't really know how I feel about this yet, because I do think it, there's some small sample size stuff going on here. Um, There's some post trade deadline teams, tanking some teams just kind of, you know, in cruise control mode because they've already got the number one seed locked up. There's some of that going on, but like, how much weight do you put into the fact that, you know, when you've got those two high-quality role players who have more experience, who understand the game at a higher level, next to those three, things work a lot better. And with Javon Carter and Tori Craig now in the mix, you know, does that answer? Does that satisfy you? Does that answer satisfy you, or are you still, you know, just you're looking for a bigger sample size?
1: Yeah, no, I think I'm really confident that you all the other reporters are going to be asking the right questions the fundamental questions like i said before i just i'm just keen or interested to see what or how they react to those answers or what answers they do or what they do give this this, this is probably going to be the funny thing actually that i think about it william like the things that we hear are probably you not know, the things that we don't want to hear um, in the sense that the things that they say will be nothing and the things that we want to hear is everything but they won't give us everything. That will give us nothing. So from that standpoint, it's going to be an interesting battle between uh, the reporters and Eversley Ev- and AK and etc. And Billy as well. But yeah, I think I think that's what I'm really keen to hear about. Like that, just because that's a fundamental question around this team. Like why why this three man unit? Why continue doing this thing? Why the continuity thing? Like however you want to frame the question, it all comes back to the root of that. So the, the root question is that: like why are we doing this thing again? What what is the justification? And I think the you know the additions of Craig and Carter are good ones, but why does that alone fundamentally shift our thinking as to why this team can be fundamentally better next season? Like two role guys, what what what, what do they bring that makes this dynamic so much better and you know justify and justifies keeping this thing together? So like that's something key that we need to hear. But when we start breaking it down from a basketball standpoint, Again, something that AK and Eversley said on 670 the other day is that the team wants to play faster. They want to get up more shots, that they want to uh, solve some of their offensive problems, that they want Demar to sacrifice, which is fine and good and all that stuff. And this, I mean, every team says this every year. Like, so part of me is reluctant to really buy into this much because, I mean, Billy has said, Zach needs to take three uh, 10 threes a game, that the team needs to play faster, that they need to be quicker, all this stuff. Like every single coach says this. We go back to the Hoyberg days, even Tibbs days, where coaches say pl- their teams need to shoot more, they need to play quicker and faster, make smarter decisions, all that stuff. Like some of this is just typical high level stuff that they that uh executives coaches always say and I, I feel like this is like their stock answer whether they truly mean it or not. But assuming they do mean it, what I want to know is okay, you want to play faster, you want to add more shooting, you want to change the role that DeMar has on this team. What is the trade off for that? What are you prepared to give up in order to fuel a transition game or change your offense because the Bulls weren't a high-volume transition team. They weren't a high-volume offensive rebounding team. They didn't share the ball a ton. It often went back to demand for a number of different reasons. And I don't think it wasn't necessarily just for incompetence, as some people think. I think there was real reasons as to why the team fundamentally did that because it got them to the point where they were, where these are the things that we need to do to establish a good baseline. So if you want to be a team that plays more uh, you know, more transition offense, does that mean you're willing to accept that you play more transition defense? If so, what does that mean for your defense? Like that I want those sort of questions asked and then the answers given to those sorts of things. It's like it's all very good to say we're adding this, we're adding that, but can you just add things? Does that take anything off the table when you start to add anything? I want that answer.
0: Yeah, I think that I think that's a really good point. And the way that you phrased it is really key too in terms of like Well, do the the signings that you made actually, in what ways do they level up this core? Because Mark Eversley said in his interview with The Athletic earlier this summer that, you know, the quote was, I think for us as a front office, we see our ceiling maybe different than others do. And, okay, that's fine. You're allowed to believe that. I think that, I'm glad they believe that, right? Like if they were just putting together a team, And investing in a team that they didn't think was good, that would be a different problem. Um, But so how do the players that you bring in maximize those guys in a way that gets them out of the 0.7, you know, point differential area? Like what what about these two guys can you extrapolate from the experience with Caruso and Beverly? Um, Is it just three-point shooting? Because I think – what you're saying is totally true that like, you can't just say we added three point shooting. Now we're going to be good. Like there's larger stylistic questions that need to be answered. And I don't know that they're going to be able to explain that at media day. I don't know Mm -hmm. if they're going to be able to explain that over the course of training camp or Mm -hmm. even like, you know, preseason, but like when games start, we're going to see what this looks like. And we'll have a better sense of like, what kind of questions to ask in response. But to me, it's bigger than we added three point shooting. We added defense. Like, I think you're totally right that it's not just about additions here. It's about how can you tweak things and change things because everything is a trade-off. You, you don't just like yeah. start offensive rebounding because then you're going to give up your half court offense and your transition defense. Like you, that comes at the cost of changing something else. And so, you know, they've been a team that doesn't turn the ball over, that tries to get the free throw line, didn't do a great job of that last year um, that shoots at a very high level in terms of efficiency but doesn't necessarily shoot the three ball very well or offensive rebound very well. Um, so if they're going to try to make those changes, which are stylistic, intentional things, what is that coming at the expense of? And that's all, if they can even manage to pull it off, because I still have questions about like, you know, Zach's you're ten; He's the youngest player of the group. How can you really picture them doing anything majorly different without a change in personnel?
1: Yeah. I, and the, I think that's that's ultimately where I always come back on this thing, and and again, not to be the Billy Donovan defender, even though that's probably what I'm going to sound like right now. But like to me, it always comes back to the roster, less so about the players. I don't even feel like blaming the players. Like the players are who they are. Uh, I think Billy gets the most out of it for for most players, maybe not all players, but I think the way he structured things up makes complete sense to me. But using free throws as an example, you can't just Go from, you know, wherever they were ranked in free throw rate. I don't have that in, off the top of my mind at the moment. You may have mentioned it before, but they weren't a high free throw rate team. I think they were bottom 10. You don't just go from, let's say, 20th to 10th or fifth in free throw rate just because you say you're going to be or, or put an emphasis on getting to the free throw line. Like, that's not how it works. You have to have the scheme, you have to have the ability to do so. But can you really implement those things if? The players themselves just don't have those natural tendencies to get to the free throw line. We can't just say to Patrick Williams, "Hey, I know you averaged two free throws a game last season, but can you get me up to six or seven this season?" That like that would be nice, but if he doesn't that comes have at the, the
0: expense of something,
1: it, well, yeah, definitely. Like one, he has to have the ability to do so. But to your point, he has to that. What are you trading off in order to do that? Similarly, as we sort of maybe pivot to things that I want to hear from Billy, and you sort of touched on this before, and I'm sure. That's, Every question that Billy is going to get is going to be about the offense. <laughs> like that's just going to be whether it's from you or from other reporters. I feel like every question he's going to be answering is about how how we can make that three man unit between Vuj Demar, and, and Zach function better. How the offense can generate more threes. How the offense can gener- generate uh, you know a greater, more more uh, efficient offensive rating. All those sorts of things. All the questions are going to be offensive based. I would assume, in addition to the Patrick Williams questions, but like that's what I want to hear. How do What is the trade-off? So you touched on it before in terms of, okay, we want to play through Vooch more this year. That sounds good. That sounds cool. But what does that ultimately mean? Like if you're going to change the offense, if you want to make Vooch the fulcrum of the offense, what does that mean for DeMar? What does that mean for Zach? What does that mean for every person out there crying about Patrick Williams not getting enough opportunities? Do those opportunities increase for Pat with Vooch now being more? uh more of a central figure in the offense does it change anything for Pat like these are the questions or the answers to the questions that I'm more interested in like it's it's almost what i don't know how to frame it properly but uh the the answer to the the non question if that makes sense like the 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 piece around like okay, you're adding vooch to the offense how do you do that that that's fine, but I'm more interested in the the question that fol- that, that should be followed up there in terms of Cool. You yeah, yeah, you want to do this with Vuch or You want to do this differently with Demar, but what does that ultimately mean? Like that's that's the real stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, just while you were talking there, because you brought up the free throw attempt rate. So I think in theory, like the Bulls should be a good free throw team. Demar is one of the best in the league at it. Zach, I think, got a lot better. And with that floor spacing, like this is this is the answer that I know, but I want to hear Billy talk about it because he's knows this stuff way more than I ever will. But, like, with the extra spacing, now you've got wider lanes and more of of the paint to attack so Zach can get to the rim and draw fouls at a higher rate. But actually, last year, the Bulls had a higher free throw attempt rate than the year before. Last year, 20.3. year before, 20.2. difference was, last year, they were 20th in free throw attempt rate. year before that, they were 9th. So they actually went up in free throw rate but went down by 11 ranks, 11 spots in the rankings, which I think speaks to the fact that you can't just run it back and expect things to get better because even if you are the same, it's still the rest of the league is still going to pass you by in, in a lot of senses. Um, and I think that really comes back to this idea of like, what do you really see in the big three? And how do you, how do you actually see that playing out in a way where they are better this year than they were before?
1: Yeah. I think that's interesting, but like to me, them being 20th in free throw rate isn't very surprising to me because the way that I think about this team, and maybe I'm wrong, but the way I think about this team is you don't really have many dribble drive uh, threats beyond Zach and Demar. Like, we know historically Vooch has always been a low free throw guy. like, He just doesn't get to the line. He's a finesse player. Even as a big man who sort of lives closer to the ring, he just never gets to the free throw line. And if he's one of your biggest sources of offense who we're saying needs to be more actively involved in the offense... Then he's just not going to get to the free throw line. Now, cu- coming back to what we were saying there, in terms of if you you're utilizing Vooch more and you're getting less of Demo, potentially less of Demar, are you actually going to get worse from the free throw line because Demar is your best free throw drawer? So, like, is that a trade off that if you start playing more through Vooch and Zach and Pat or whomever it may be, guys who traditionally don't get to the same? or don't get to the free throw line at the same rate as someone like DeMar, like that fundamentally changes that and makes you worse than, than what you were initially on, on from, from a three foot, a free throw point of view. So like this is all the fun stuff that I love talking about from a basketball standpoint. Like it's all well and good to do all these things, to change things, um, to add three point shooting. And, you know, even if they change their three point rate, like that's in theory should be a good thing, but does it mean it's going to be a more efficient offense if you start moving, uh, start moving the ball more, and you get up more threes? And uh, you know, from a three-point attempt rate, it looks much healthier than what it was last season. No, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be better than the 24th ranked offense. So, like, all of this stuff is just very interesting, and I'm just keen to see how they yeah, answer. If you're,
0: if you're worse at it, then it's not going to get better. And I think that's where you kind of touched on it, but like with Patrick, this question of like, how do you foster his development? and try to understand what he can give you as a more primary option. I'm not going to say the primary option, but as a more on-ball oriented shot creator. How do you see that while also trying to win games? Because your best shot at winning games is putting the ball in DeMar's hands. And to your point, like if you just take possessions from DeMar and give them to Patrick, I think you will hurt the offense in a big way. But then on top of that, you have to start to think about all the other ramifications. Like, Patrick is not going to be a high-volume, high-efficiency mid-range shooter to the point where you get equal output of offense just by putting the ball in his hands and taking it out of Demars. Like, just their shot chart and efficiency, is that's going to be a net negative. But then on top of that, I think, which is what you're talking about, you also lose on, you know, three-point shooting because now you've got a worse floor spacer out there if you do have Demar out there. You also have less of a foul um, you know, foul rate drawing because Patrick is not good at that and DeMar is one of the best. And how does that change your half-court offense? And so you, you just, like, there's trade-offs with everything. And I think the biggest question or the, big, the biggest answer that I don't want to hear from, because we heard this a lot from DeMar, so maybe this is more focused on the players, but yeah. several times last year it was, what do you guys need to, to improve? Like, why is the offense not working? And the answer was, well, we just need to focus on the defense. We're doing it well as a team. We're playing well right now, and the offense will figure itself out. The offense will be just fine. And it's like, no, the offense will not just be fine. It would not have been 24th last year if it was just going to be fine. So I think to me, that's going to be like my biggest ick is if they just don't have a good answer. And like what I really want to hear from the players, from Billy specifically, is like, we sat down and we are going to spend X amount of time in the preseason and the training camp during these games. Where we are going to lock ourselves in a room and come up with a plan and all get on the same page and then figure out a way to execute that plan of how we can improve our offense because it's not just roll the ball out there and let Demar do it. I don't think anybody like necessarily thinks that's the best possible possible option. Although if they are going to do that, then Demar is the best possible option to do that. But that shouldn't necessarily be the strategy. And I guess like strategy and execution and implementation are going to be like the keys that I'm curious about.
1: Yeah. I, and, and coming back to what I said before, like this is why I love talking basketball, like asking these questions for, well, I never get to ask these questions to the people that matter, but not to suggest that you don't matter, William, but in terms of, you know, Billy, the players, AK, etc., Like I don't get to ask the questions to them, but like, this is, this is a, The thing I enjoy about talking about basketball, whether it's with you, whether it's people in the comments on YouTube or on Twitter or whatever it might be, like this schematic stuff, like this is the fun and interesting thing. The painful thing, unfortunately, is that the people that have the answers typically don't give us the answers for a number of different reasons. One, maybe because they just haven't thought about it. But um, but two, I think more generally, and probably more to the point, is they don't want to give away those answers. One, because they don't want to be held to account to those answers, because things can change and move so so quickly like Billy could say something about the offense about how they want to do things in the offense like last year there was the whole randomness of the offense and why that needs to be a thing going into uh, the start of last season but they quickly deviated away from that and went back to the to DeMar ball but like I think in order to play like a random style of offense you need to have a whole bunch of high level high IQ triple threat type players um, which the balls didn't have last season so they could say things right now going into media day in terms of how they want to change their offense or defense or whatever it might be. And maybe they flirt with that idea in preseason and the start of the season, but then come November, December, things have deviated away. And people will hold them to their comments that they say in October, even though their actions are changing in December and January, which I guess is true. And Fair in certain instances, and most certainly, I will be doing that d- depending on when it suits me. So I'm not, I'm not sort of suggesting I'm not uh, guilty of this, but that's why executives, coaches, players are always reluctant to actually give us their true feelings about certain things because they just don't want to be held to that account or don't want to be scrutinized to that level because they just want to get through this thing. Let, let's be honest; like they need to do their media day because that's part of their. Part of the deal of the whole thing, but they don't want to necessarily give us too much, too many answers because it could come back to bite them in the ass, you know, later down the road. But uh, I think what we're asking and what we're hoping for are all these great things, but I'm trying to keep it very level because I know I'm probably not going to get the answers to any of this stuff. So I just don't want to be disappointed because we we shouldn't go in thinking that we're actually going to get anything uh, substantive out of it. But nonetheless, so long as we, as fans, as podcasters, as whomever are asking the right questions and thinking about the right things and talking amongst ourselves about the right things, then I guess that's the least we could do. That was uplifting, yeah, wasn't I, it?
0: I know, but I tend to agree. Like, and they don't have any incentive. I think a lot of times, yeah. players for an office, like they don't, even if they do feel comfortable, like tipping their hand, they're only going to do that with people who they like can trust to. Talk about this stuff without like messing it up and i think there's like a level yeah. of accuracy and trust along that goes along with like having these conversations with people who really know what they're doing to be able to like say that so that it doesn't bite them in the ass in six months because i think like going back to the randomness thing for a second billy kind of walked off of that halfway through the season because he didn't want to make it sound like they were just going out there without a plan and even though they did kind of move back into more of a Demar ball and really that's not even true. Like Zach had a much higher usage in the second half of the season than Demar, but they, they did move back into a more stagnant style of play um, mm-hmm. because I think that that was more comfortable. It was easier. They knew um, it was like an easier identity to understand, right? Like there wasn't anything. They they knew what the outcome of a Demar or Zach isolation possession was going to be. It was like, they got a good shot. Yeah. Did it go in or did it not? Um, yeah. And I, I don't think that's, like, the best way to do it, but that, I think that was part of the, the failure of last season was not being able to figure out the best way to, like, run an offense. Um, and I don't want to, like, crush Billy for that because I, I think it's partly on him, but I, I also think it's on the players, and I think it's on the front office. But I just – I wonder, like, from an assessment standpoint, why didn't that work last year, and what can you do to fix that? Because I assume, based on what AK said – about playing faster and shooting more threes, that, that that's still part of it, that playing with more uh, unpredictability and spont- spontaneity, that's part of building a better offense. So why didn't that work last year? And what is going to work about that this year? What do you have to do differently to make that work this year?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's it's all interesting. It's fascinating. But I mean, I don't want to belabor this point, but like the trade-off aspect of it, like I feel like what they did on offense was governed with, was almost governable, or their offense became what it was because they valued defense so much that the the way they wanted to play defense limited the things on what they wanted to do on offense, or vice versa. Like the reason that you want to run so many half court possessions on offense is to is to increase the amount of half court possessions that you play on defense. And for a team that you know has a five man unit that comprises of Vucevic, uh, DeRozan or and Levine, or has three people within that five five man unit that are average to below average defenders, you want to give them every single chance that, that you can for them to survive on defense. And how do you do that? You play more half core possessions. So like coming back to the trade-off and how everything's connected, all that sort of nonsense. Yeah. Like that's the, that's the fascinating part about this, but uh, will they give us the answers to that? Will they be that direct or detailed? Probably not, but uh, it's interesting to, to think about and, and ask about nonetheless.
0: It sure is. Um, I want to talk more about like, so I think what ultimately this comes down to and I think what the front I was probably wants to stay away from this year is because it did bite them in the ass last year is like setting quantifiable goals for themselves this year. I don't expect them to actually hit on anything substantive there because I, I think that will set them up for failure if they yeah. don't hit those goals. So I think mm-hmm. they'll be coy and not say anything, but yeah. we can say something. We can ask those questions. We can set quantifiable goals for this team and, we're going to do that here as soon as we're done telling you guys about our next sponsors. First Mark, Goose Island.
1: Well, here's a quantifiable, uh, quantifiable goal for you, William. There's two tap rooms. Head to one. That's the goal. Just get to one of them. It's as simple as that. Whether you want to go down to the Clybourne Avenue brew house at Lincoln Park or the tap room on Fulton Street in West Town, our friends at Goose Island have got you covered with the best, best beer in Chicago. Not just in Chicago. I mean, it's brewing in Chicago. It comes from Chicago. It's a Chicago product it's been Chicago's beer since 1988 but this is a beer that everyone should be consuming across the globe I'm trying to secure some down here I don't know how I get my hands on it I'm I'm working the google machine trying to figure out how I do how do I get a pack of that 312 wheat ale how do I get the full pocket pills down here I'll pay whatever freaking freight I need to pay for because this beer is that good it needs to be international it's to be sent down to me but for you William for those people listening who happen to be in the States, happen to be in Chicago, you like I said, you've got those two, two great establishments so that you can head down with your mates, grab a beer and get your hands on the 312, the full pocket pills, a whole bunch of other great, great options. Our friends at Goose Island have got you covered. So where if you've got an event coming up, Balls basketball is coming up. If you want to go and watch that AK presser, I don't know if they're going to be playing it at the Goose Island, <laughs> at one of these Goose Island establishments, but they have TVs there. Maybe you can ask them to throw it on, whatever it might be. Or even then, you don't have to have it on your TV. Just go down there with your phone, your iPad, whatever it might be. Take your laptop down to one of these places. Get a beer in your hand. Listen to AK talk about stuff. And when he doesn't answer your questions, you know what you do? You get mad and you throw down another brew. And after, once you've thrown down that brew, everything's you know right with the world doesn't matter what aK or, or, or eversley or, or Donovan say because you got a beautiful sweet beer in your hand you're there with your mates and you're just chopping it up enjoying your time so uh we we certainly appreciate Goose Island for supporting us a Chicago company supporting another Chicago p- company so we appreciate them and friends like I said the goal is just to get down to uh, one of their tap house or tap rooms or brew houses do it it's you you'll uh, it's a great time trust me trust me about that.
0: We have 51 people watching in our YouTube channel. We got 20 likes. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up while you're watching here. Make sure you like and subscribe and all those fun things. And before we move on to our next topic here, we want to tell you about FOCO. If you want to get fitted out in the best sports gear around, you go to the CHGO locker. And When you're done shopping there, you go to FOCO.com because they have hoodies, shoes, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. Baseball season coming to an end here. We'll see if the Cubs can hang on for dear life and make a wild card spot. But guess what? We got the Bears 0-3. Will they win their first game this weekend against the Denver Broncos, against DMVR and bring some glory to this side of the All-City family? Who knows? But if you want to be wearing a Justin Fields jersey or a DJ Moore jersey, you can get yourself hooked up at FOCO.com. They also set us up with some decorations for our set in studio, and we really appreciate them for that. So make sure you guys check out Foco.com or click the link in the description below. And for all non pre sale items, use promo code CHGO, familiar promo code CHGO for 10% off. It's a great deal. Go check out Foco.com. Um, all right, Mark, let's wrap this up here. We got about 10 more minutes to talk about goals that we have for the team. Um, and I think this is, this is not just like necessarily what do we want to see, but I think the the goal of this exercise is, is to kind of come up with like quantifiable ways to measure what success looks like for this team. Because as we talked about, like, they're not blowing it up. That's not happening. Um, there have been some trade rumors with Zach Levine. We all know this, but like, ultimately they're probably going to stick with this same group. And so if they're going to do that, they have to justify it some way. And if they set goals for themselves that you can quantify that's how you justify it. So last year, everybody got on AK because he said, we want to be better than the year before. He never actually said, like, we want to make the playoffs and win around. He never said, well, we, would, we just want to win two games of the playoffs instead of one. Like, he just said, we want to be better. And you can spin that however you want, right? Like, you can say, well, we finished the year on a better record than we finished the last year, so we're better. We played the top teams in the conference better than we did the year before, so that was a measurement of success for us. While I disagree with that, I think we can start to look at some actual like stats and measurements and try to identify how can you justify keeping this team together? How can you say this season was a success? So are there any, before we like start going down the list, any things that you just like overarching things you need to see that will make you feel like this team is on the right track? How, How can they reorient themselves to a point where you feel comfortable with the path that they're on?
1: Well, just before we, uh, before we went into this segment, we, we were talking about how the fan base should be prepared that they're not going to really give us the answers for what we really want to hear. And for certain questions, I'm sure that'll be fine and justifiable from their perspective. But for year three of this group, I think this is where they need to be more accountable. And what you sort of touched on before, where last season they talked about, well, they didn't really give us a real baseline answer as to what they define success for them last year. It's just basically be better than, than you were the previous year. Like To me, that's not good enough this time around. This is year three of this group. You really, really need to emphasize why you've leaned further into it. You really need to need to be accountable. And I know, again, that they won't do that and that they won't do it for reasons which we talked about before because they don't want to be held to a, to that level of account. But I think you need to be given what you've done with this team or this group to to lean into it for a third year. So I need them to come out and tell us, hey, this is what defines success. And for us, success is we get to the first round at minimum and we win a playoff series. That's what I need to hear. Anything less than that, I ain't having that. This is the millennium of the aftermath, William. It ain't going to be nothing after that. So I need to hear something really substantive. I need to hear a firm goal like that. None of this bullshit about, yeah, we need to be better than last year. We need to see development here and there. And, you know, being vague about it. I want real hardline goals, facts. Give me, give me, give me, give me the bare minimum. Tell me you're going to be a playoff team that doesn't get in there through the plane. Tell me these goals. Set these goals. If, if, if the front office, if the organization aren't going to come out and define those goals for us as the fans, then why should we? carry that why should we expect something more from them if they're not going to prepare to outline themselves now i could completely get their understanding or thinking as to why maybe they'd want to be coy about it if this were year one and they hadn't seen things before but if you're going to lean into the group into this group if you feel confident about going into, into year three with this group then you should show me some of that confidence so that's what i'm hoping for so we can dive into the stats and those sorts of things now william and I don't want to be reductive, just by thinking, give me a a win number or tell me how many playoff games you're going to win. But in some senses, like that's probably more important to me at this point for this spe- specific team and its context than where you are in offensive rating or defensive rating or what your three point attempt rate is, et etc. Because you could you could really hit on those markers, but ultimately not you know land where you need to land from a win standpoint, anyway.
0: Yeah, and I think ultimately when we're talking about these stats. It's how do we envision improvements in these areas affecting the win total, right? That is, it's a zero sum game. You win or you lose and like they didn't win enough last year. So if we want to, if we want to set the bar at same as last year and be okay with missing the playoffs, like if that's what they come out and say, I think that'll be a separate problem. But I don't expect them to come out and say that. So for me, like, Yeah, I I just, I wonder, like, there's a difference between what is, like, a reasonable expectation and what is a goal that we have for ourselves that will be not, like, unhappy or feel like we failed if we didn't hit it. Like, what are we actually aspiring towards this year? Mm -hmm. And I think without, like, if you say something, like, we want to make the second round of the playoffs, we want to be a playoff team, not a playing team, a playoff team and make the second round of the playoffs. You do open yourself up to like criticism from fans if you don't get there, right? Yeah. But at the same time, you also give yourself like stepping stones of how you can improve. And I think like last year, because the previous season ended so poorly and weird, it kind of opened up this lane to not set those kind of goals for themselves um, because it was just like, well, let's wait for Alonzo. Like that. None of that. That's not happening anymore. They have the roster they need. They added shooting. They added defense. They know Lonzo's not coming back. Like I think, for me, what I want to see is, I will feel. And the way I'm, w- the way I'm framing this is, the way I will feel like this team is on the right path is if, like you said, they make the playoffs, not through the plane, that they make the playoffs. Because I think, if you are looking at a play-in berth, best case scenario, you get into the playoffs and you face the Damian Lillard Bucks or the Celtics, and you just know how that's going to go. So I I feel like that would be an improvement on last year, but I wouldn't feel necessarily better about the direction of the team or the core as it stands if they weren't able to do that. And I think that's a lofty goal for what this team is like in terms of realistic expectations. I think making the playoffs as a six seed or fifth seed is a pretty lofty expectation. So I'm not going to say that I think like if they made the play in or the playoffs through the play in. That would be a failure. I think missing the playoffs or missing the plan would be a failure. But I think if they can get into the playoffs, I would feel much better about this season. Obviously, um, but unless they like actually put up a fight in the first round, which I think you could only do as a six seed or a fifth seed, it's not going to feel like improvement.
1: Does that make sense? No, that, that makes complete sense. Like and coming back to the, the piece around, like we, we've all talked about the offense, how they, that needs to be better. They need to shoot more threes, that they need to lift their three-point attempt rate, that they can't be 24th on offense going forward. They need to get that up to at least, say, 15th as an example. That's all well and good, but I don't care if you get to 15th on offense if you still don't make the playoffs or you make the playoffs as the eighth seed and get absolutely destroyed by the Bucs. Because to your point, what's more important at this point for this team at this juncture for year three of this group is why coming back to what we started this uh, this podcast about like why this group why keep investing in it now for the reason why you keep investing in it is because you think or you feel that they can do something more than what they've shown which is getting to the postseason, getting to the first round and not only just getting to the first round but being competitive in the first round but this team has had one playoff win in the last two years it'd be cool to get back to the postseason and get back to the playoffs but if you go if you go back into the in into the first round and you get absolutely demoralized like like you were last time, that that to me isn't a success. So I think that's why they need to define it a little bit a little bit more and be a little bit more, I don't know, set actual goals around it. Um and at least this is a funny thing. I would I would probably have more uh more time for them or be more lenient or more understanding if they were to come out and set real goals. And even if they miss it, like if they miss it, fine. Like, but I would rather the team set real goals, be accountable, tell us what they are, and then, you know, we'll see where it plays out rather than umming and ahhing around it, being very vague about it, never telling us what their actual thinking is, and then sort of just bumbling their way through things. Like, that to me is more frustrating than them actually coming out and putting a hard line on what they consider success. And whether they meet it or not, uh, I think that's probably more interest uh, more, more more frustrating for fans that you don't set goals like that. again to coming back to that 670 interview like they talked about how they value championships and how they're inspired by the the championship teams from the you know 25 30 years ago but then they don't really have championship like goals or at least they're not saying anything to that effect they they say that you know the the normal nonsense about how you know this is a championship organization how they want to get back to that but Tell us how you're going to get back to that. Tell us what you deem success for a group that doesn't have those championship aspirations this year. So, I would be more than comfortable, and I would probably support them more, to be honest with you, William, if they said we need to get to the second round this year. And even even in the event that they don't, because I, I doubt that they will, but I would at least be, uh, I, I would be, you know, thankful in some regards for them to to put those lofty goals in place, whether they meet them or not. I would rather this this team and this franchise set those goals right now, be upfront about it, and and really sort of be pushing towards that because that's the justification that I need to hear for them going back into this group. Yeah, it might some people might um you know really take them to task on that, and maybe they don't want to be seen as a failure from that standpoint. But you're still going to be seen as a failure if you're umming and ahhing it. You're not defining success. You're not telling people what 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 is ultimately good enough for you and not being transparent. Like I think that's what pisses people more off, that lack of transparency. So give us something to hang on. Maybe you don't want to because you think you think it's going to bite you in the ass later on, but being coy and vague and not telling your fans or connecting with your fans, that, that probably is probably worse off in my opinion at least. So let's see what they say, but um, I want some hard line, you know, underline things that uh, that I want to hear from them in terms of what drives success this season.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, Don't think there's anything I could say to really add on to that other than I think you nailed it. So uh, before we head out of here, I want to tell you guys about becoming a CHGO diehard. You can check out uh, allchdo.com to learn more. But we put together a ton of events. We've got a Bears tailgate happening on Sunday. If you're a diehard, you can get discounted rates. You can join and get a free t-shirt from the CHGO locker. And of course you get all of our premium written content for members only at lchgo.com. If you like what we do here, you can hit a like on your way out. You can follow us on Twitter at Will underscore Gottlieb at MK Hoops. And you can continue to come check out our shows. But what we would really appreciate is to join, uh, become a member, become a diehard with us at CHGO and really become a part of this family with us. So we would really appreciate that. Uh, Mark, I really appreciate you for waking up early on a Saturday morning to chat with me. Joey, we appreciate you for pushing the buttons back there, making the graphics and adjusting your schedule to accommodate. Um, We as a group, uh, Matt, Dave, myself, Joey, and our social media guru Casey will be at Media Day on Monday. Interviews will start at 11 a.m. Central Time. We'll hear from AK. We'll hear from Mark. We'll hear from Billy. We'll hear from a select group of players. I believe all the big ones, Zach, Damar, Booch, Patrick, uh, Javon Carter, um, all the big names you want to hear from, we'll be hearing from them. And then we will be doing a show, um, our Monday podcast, from the Advocate Center where this will be held. Um, Last thing before we go is check out my article from today at allch.com. As we talk about all this, um, about the bull setting loftier goals for themselves, about holding themselves accountable, about how can they improve, I do genuinely believe that this team will be better. And I know we've been critical over the offseason. We've um, had our, our stance on what we think this team is and where we think they should go. But at the end of the day, I do think that they made some important acquisitions that will help them get better And I thought it was important to write about those as we head towards Media Day and towards the season. So go check that out. Um, I genuinely do believe that this team will be better and more enjoyable this year. And I'm excited to continue doing these podcasts, continue writing, continue talking with you, Mark, about all this stuff as the season goes on. So make sure to check that out. Make sure to follow along, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel and all of that. And until then, we will see you guys on Monday to break down everything that went on at Media Day. (laughs)